Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. I'm Edward Bergen, global food and drink analyst, all-round foodie and hummus fanatic. In this episode, we discussed our favourite food and drink launches from 2018 and picked out a fabulous winner. So, I have been extremely excited the last few months, like seriously excited. Um, I've got some really, really special guests and some of you may have seen them on television on our Mintel Innovation TV before. So in the studio, we've actually got our champions of innovation, our stars of Mintel's Innovation TV, Lynn Dornblazer and Dave Jago. Guys, John, introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Lynn Dornblazer, as Ed said, Director of Innovation and Insight. I'm based in Chicago, as you can probably tell by my voice. Um, And I've been with Mintel 21 years. Well, sorry, Lynn, but I'm Dave Jago. I've been with Mintel for about 30 years now, um, largely working in the food and drink innovation space, looking at beauty household products, too. (laughs) Everybody, Dave, David's been here longer than I've been alive. So just that's put it in perspective. (laughs) Um, Millennials don't spend more than about three years at a company. So it's quite impressive. I like to remind him of that. Okay, look, every two to three months, uh, Dave and Lynn, they record this program called Innovation TV, which Mintel sort of give out to their clients and, um, and we get to have a look at. And what they do is they look at new disruptive innovations and they talk about them and they eat them live on camera and normally have to be plain face if they don't like the taste of certain products. But today we've got a different sort of task because obviously it's quite difficult to watch them eat something on a podcast. So I'm, I've actually collected together six different pitches from global food and drink analysts from around the Mintel world, from around the world, and they've actually picked out their favourite launches from 2018. I gave you a little bit of a brief, but this is probably more detailed than so far. Now, I really want you guys to listen to these pitches, give your honest opinions, um, and you've also got, and I have given them, a photo, one photo per product. How are you feeling before we start? Interested. Okay. Ready to go. Ready to go. Okay, awesome. So first we have Ophélie Boucher and she's got an ice cream to talk about. Hello, I'm Ophélie Boucher and my product is Culture Republic Ice Cream launched on the US market by Unilever. The product is really interesting because it contains probiotic, which is still quite rare in the ice cream category because only some bacteria strains are able to survive in frozen temperature. This is indeed an important breakthrough for this ingredient, but also because it was launched by a big company like Unilever. So there are three main reasons why I see this product as very innovative. The first one is the communication on probiotics. Each pine tub contains three billion live cultures, and the claims linked to these cultures are actually quite broad. So they make a real connection in consumers' mind between probiotic cultures and general well-being rather than making specific claims around digestive or immune or mental health. The second reason is its permissible indulgence positioning. The brand has definitely learned from the success of Halo Top and worked on a balanced yet indulgent positioning. Everything is quantified, 17 grams of protein, 65% less fat, 45% less calorie, But the flavors are out of the ordinary and experimental. So things like turmeric and chai um, and cinnamon or matcha and fudge, for example. 
The third reason is the uniqueness of the design of the product. The brand plays on its culture name to highlight the fact that culture, as in art, makes life better inside and out. So 10% of its profits go to support local communities, and this is reflected in the pack designs that are very colorful and very unique. So to summarize, it's a total well-being brand that is helping you to explore new flavors and cultural experiences. I'm not sure what else you could ask for here. Guys, take it away. Okay, well, <clears throat> I agree with a lot of what Afali says in terms of the positioning and most certainly the um, risk that Unilever is taking as a very large global company to introduce something like this, because you would normally expect this from a small niche company, but it's not a small niche company. Um, the big question I have in my head about this is, do we need, do consumers need ice cream with probiotics? And that's what I really wonder. I think that's a difficult question to answer. I think if you ask consumers, they probably say yes, they're interested in it without necessarily committing to buying it on a regular basis. Yeah. I think that's the challenge, isn't it? I think it's really interesting that Unilever, with this move, is behaving like a small company. And it's something that we've noticed Unilever doing more and more recently, um, getting into some of the alternative emerging niche opportunity areas, which you wouldn't necessarily expect a big player like Unilever to be playing in. I think that in itself is really interesting. Um, I think the probiotics is a question. I think yeah general well-being can only be the message because of legal reasons in most markets yeah um to me the other big challenge is actually the flavors mm, because they're so different they're so different and yeah. i think you know yes it's good to be out there it's good to be really different and perhaps really go for that millennial consumer who's looking for a really new taste experience but i can't help thinking that those flavors are a little bit challenging for for many consumers yeah that's right yeah i would agree with that and i think the unusual flavors combined with the fact that it's probiotics mm. and i assume also that it's very premium priced i would imagine so yeah could be a little bit of an issue but one of the things that i think about is unilever back in the past in the u.s when low carb was so big when was that in the early 2000s yep and Everyone and his mother was introducing products that were low-carb. Um, some companies did a not-so-great job. Some big companies got in too late, stayed in too long. But Unilever was so smart. They got in very early, and they got out before the market turned, and mm -hmm. introductions dropped off and sales dropped off. And so I keep thinking, as Afli was talking about this, I kept thinking about that in this product, and it makes me think that they might be super smart here, getting in while probiotics are still growing in some categories like this one. Yep. And hopefully they'll keep that past in their minds mm. as they watch the market and if they need to, to pull before this fades. Because it feels to me that this is very much of the moment. Yep. And yep. not long term. No, I, th I agree with that. And I think, yeah, you've got to recognize the fact as well that Unilever really missed a trick without... Uh, with, sorry, with seeing Halo Top coming into market yeah. and reacting to that way too late. So it's yep. not another direct challenge to the Halo Top. It's something more than that with the probiotics. Exactly. And yep. I think that's that's what's key for Unilever here. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. So we might get back to it at the end, depending on... We might get back to the end, depending on which one's your winner um, for, for this one. But we're going to listen to the next one. Okay. Um, we've got Jenny Zegler from the States, and she's got a beer in her hand. Greetings, I'm Jenny Zegler, an Associate Director of Mint Health Food and Drink. My pick for innovative product is Sacabira Chickpea Beer from SBN in France. As the name states, this is a beer that is made with chickpea, which is a pretty non-traditional ingredient to include in beer. 
But chickpeas and the liquid that they're packed in, which is known as aquafaba, have been rising in popularity as ingredients in global food and drink launches from 2015 through 2018. Yet during this time period, just 1% of global launches with chickpea as an ingredient were drinks. SBN is not just using chickpea to be trendy though. There are two reasons for incorporating the legume into this beer. First, the recipe has a local connection. It uses chickpeas to emulate sake, which is a flatbread made with chickpea flour that is a traditional snack in Nice, France, which happens to be where the brewery is based. Second, the protein in the chickpea gives the beer a unique texture. Texture claims are a trend that we started watching in 2018, and foamy texture has been promoted in coffee and tea since we identified this as a hot trend for 2018. In this case, SBN says that the chickpea protein creates a beer that is luminous with thick foam. So this might be one beer where adults won't complain about the amount of foam that's in their beer. Cheers. Cheers, Jenny. Um, my first reaction, I have to be honest, was why would you make a beer out of chickpea um, when you can make perfectly good beer out of other things? I think it's a great <laughs> advertisement for chickpeas. Yeah. Um, if I was an ingredient supplier in the chickpea business, I would love this because it's all about the, the diversity and the variety of innovation around a, a single ingredient. I think that's really strong in itself. Um, I haven't tasted the beer. I'd be very intrigued to try it. Um, and yes, it, it's, it does appear to be on trend, but being on trend doesn't necessarily make it work that's what concerns me exactly right and that was my first thought as well the first thing i jotted down here to myself is that it's interesting but definitely niche very very niche so it feels to me that that this is something that may resonate for a while where it's located possibly a bit further afield but is not really going to catch on mainstream or even in a um, significant way just because it's so unusual and so niche. The only exception would be if, now I have to say quite honestly, the description of the foaminess and all of that, to me, really off-putting. I don't know about you, Dave, you drink a bit more beer than me. I'm not, I'm not convinced, put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if there's something about that that's really compelling, then maybe it, maybe it, would, maybe it would work. But it feels a little gimmicky perhaps yeah a little bit like well we, we made it because we could yes rather yeah. than because we feel there's a, a real market for it perhaps but I mean, in, yeah really interesting though i mean protein in beer i'm not sold on that i mean we've seen beer with fiber before yeah we've seen beer with all kinds of added beneficial nutrients and that doesn't seem to work no the local connection is great that's really good tying it back to a single ingredient is really strong texture could really play in its favor but i think perhaps or it's not. just a step too far yeah okay Awesome. As you know, as a, a hummus fan, the chickpea is basically my favourite ingredient of all time. So, I don't so really you drink, want this? But I, I try this. this bit. I want it to win. I want it to work. Um, <laughs> let the hummus brands, you know, keep growing. Eventually, you'll get a Sabra beer. Please God, one day. Um, next, we've got up Caroline Rue, and uh, she's looking at something in the dairy-free world from a brand that you may have heard of. Hi, I'm Caroline Rue, a global food and drink analyst at Mintel. Today, I want to talk to you about Alpro Origins, introduced by Danone in the UK. Alpro Origins is a range of chilled, organic, plant-based milk. It comprises two variants, one made with roasted Italian almond and one made with pressed Sri Lankan coconut. 
What is unique about the products and what I like about them is the fact that Alpro is celebrating the provenance of its ingredients, almond and coconut, as a shortcut to quality. Details on the provenance of ingredients is unusual in the dairy alternative category, unlike in the conventional dairy category, where meal provenance is a must-have information on pack. Alpro's origins are also very natural, clean label, as we say. They are certified organic, they don't contain any sugar or sweeteners, and they are made by simply pressing the almonds or the coconuts. So with these two new products, Alpro is clearly looking to add value to the dairy alternative category in the UK. And I think Alpro's proposition is actually meeting today's consumer need for natural and healthy alternative to dairy. Let's now see if consumers are ready to pay £2.50 for 750 milliliters of Alpro origin. Mm. I like this one. I like the I like the concept of it. Dave, I'm sure you have yeah. a lot of com- uh, comments based on the UK market and the specifics of the UK market. But from my standpoint, what what I really like is what Caroline said about um, provenance and how that doesn't exist in the dairy alternatives category. And so talking about where the ingredients come from is quite different. And also it's just very a very beautiful, upscale, luxurious looking package. I think mm-hmm. it, it tells its story really, really well. Yep. Um, but just the whole concept of talking about where those key ingredients come from is really quite different. And I think there's something important in that long term no agreed i totally agree it's a beautiful presentation um yes it is really premium and i think that will be a challenge for the brand i mean that's a high price point yeah um but it, it will find an audience i don't doubt it and the alpro brand is such a strong player in that category that people will buy into it um yeah i think it's an interesting move for alpro when you think that many consumers still associate alpro with soy yeah. And to me, that's the logical thing to do then is to talk about provenance of ingredients because one of the dangers of the soy drink market is that so much of it is associated with the negatives of soy. Right. You know, the issues around GMO contamination and things like that, around mass production of soy. It's This is moving in completely the opposite direction. So it's putting Alpro into a much more added value space as well, mm-hmm. which I think is really important for the brand long term. And we've seen them do that. We've seen the Elpro brand do that with some of its yogurts and yeah, some of the other yeah. products that we've seen around the world. So that feels a little bit like a move that, that Danone is pushing the brand into a bit more, which makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. And it's dragging it out of the health food aisle and putting it in firmly into mainstream consumers' baskets. Exactly. Yep. Can I put a challenger in on this one? I'm... Um interesting because they're using almonds and you're saying moving away from soy is are, are almonds the correct ingredient when we've seen lots of oat based drinks which often link to sustainability and some of the topics there but is almond the right ingredient to be talking about is that okay i think in terms of fam- familiarity from the point of view of the uk consumer yes mm-hmm. i mean <clears throat> almond and coconut are the you know the, the big two after soy so that that works oat is still i think a bit of a challenger i think that might take a lot longer to get consumer acceptance at a price point like this yeah you know we've seen um dairy alternatives in the states for quite a long time and i want to say too with the major brands like silk for example Mm -hmm. it's um almond that is by far and away the market leader uh so it's familiarity but the other key thing it is as well is taste 
consumers, when they see that it's almond, they've got an image in their head of what that will taste like, and it delivers on that. And I think a lot of consumers who are coming into um, dairy alternative beverages to start are really concerned about what it's going to taste like, because in general, historically, they have a very bad reputation. And that's quite different now. But um, yeah, I don't don't see any negative about almonds. Certainly, you can talk about a sustainability issue, and and some people do. But from a consumer acceptance and a taste standpoint, almond makes the the most sense, I think. Okay, brilliant. Um, We've got Sam Moore next. And uh, Sam's coming to you with a, I, I think I can call it a butter. Hi, I'm Sam Moore, and my product is Faber Butter by the company Fora in the US. So this product is interesting because it's made from aquafaba, which is held by some as the vegan wonder ingredient. But it's basically the thick liquid that you get from soaking chickpeas in water for an extended period of time. This product is innovative for a number of reasons, I think. So the first one is the fact that it's free from dairy, gluten, soy, lactose and GMOs. It's also vegan and it's clean label. Secondly, around waste. So food waste is a huge problem in our societies. And the faba butter creators use the aquafaba that hummus producers would otherwise throw away. It's also more natural, so it doesn't use any flavorings, colorings, or preservatives like EDTA, unlike many other vegetable-based spread brands. And lastly, it's sustainable, so dairy butter uses a lot of land, water, and food, whereas in comparison, aquafaba uses very little. In fact, faba butter's carbon footprint is four times smaller compared to dairy butter. So a product that's more sustainable than dairy butter, it fits in with the growing vegan trend and moves towards more natural foods, plus addresses the issue of food waste. What's not to love? Um, well, building on Sam's comment of what's not to love, I think the, <laughs> the key issue here is going to be one major thing that none of us know. And that is, um, so it doesn't have any of these bad things, but hopefully what it does have is flavor. Mm. Yeah, because that's that will in the end be what will make this work or not work is if it tastes good enough, if the texture is right, if the meltability is right. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Yeah, I think my my first reaction was as as Ed Chickpea Bergen rigged the selection of products exactly and, 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 and no got more chickpeas in here. Yeah, really. No, yeah. <laughs> okay, I believe you. Um, I'm I'm intrigued by the fact that it's labelled as a dairy free butter. As well, yes. I think that would probably not be legal in some markets. Um, I think the danger is if you take away the word butter, consumers are going to have very little idea what this actually is. Yeah, um, and then it's competing in a space which is already very rich in vegetable-based spreads, which are vegan and GMO-free and everything else already. Yeah, so you kind of lose some of that point of differential. So unless it really performs like butter, which we don't know, then it's not a butter. Right. Yeah. Um, Again, another one of those products, I think, that's very much of the moment. Absolutely. With chickpeas being so popular right now. um, Has potential, maybe. The other thing I wonder, too, is how it's priced. Yeah. Because Mm. it could be... Um, just like the just like the um, L Pro product, it could be expensive enough that it will turn off a lot of consumers. Mm. Yeah. But perhaps a niche product that that has some potential if it performs. 
Yeah, and I'd like to see the sustainability message behind it and the, the food waste and carbon footprint issues called out perhaps a bit more prominently than they appear to be on the package as well. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm looking at a, a fairly limited photo, but it, it doesn't seem to be calling out on that and selling on that basis, which right. is a bit of a miss. Yep. Yeah, the photo is just white and with some bright colours on the lid, and that's about it. There's not much else to, to see on it. Yep. We've got Melanie Bartelmi, uh, and you know we've been talking about vegan stuff, so she's come up with another vegan mayonnaise. Hi, I'm Melanie Zanoza Bartelmi. My product is Good Spoon Foods Vegan Mayonnaise from microalgae company called Algama, which is based in France. So I like this product because it puts a new spin on mayonnaise alternatives. So we've seen a whole range of vegan mayos drawing on plant-based egg replacers and other ingredients. So things like avocado, coconut, um, even aquafaba. But what I like about this product is that it uses microalgae. So we're really seeing an increase in the use of sea vegetables, things like seaweed and kelp and algae like we have here. So these offer a lot of nutritional benefits and they're also really sustainable. So uh, they're easy to grow, easy to replicate, um, easy to harvest, really ticking off two big boxes here. In addition, this ingredient allows the manufacturers to reduce the amount of oil in the product as well as those eggs. So this is 60% less fat than traditional mayonnaise. So that might make it feel a little bit more permissible for consumers as well. So, and of course, um, the most important part, this product actually tastes good. So <laughs> I know I sound surprised, but I don't really like mayonnaise. So this is kind of big for me. Uh, I think this product is really great because it offers uh, a creamy mouthfeel, a really good spreadability, and that sustainable focus and that uh, fat reduction. So overall, this is a, a really great product. I take uh, Melanie's word that it tastes good. Um, I, I believe that. It looks good, actually. I like the presentation, um, and I like the, the naming of the varieties as well, the flavour variants. Um, that's quite an interesting move, too, and it differentiates it from some other mayo alternatives on the market. Um, the use of algae is brilliant. I love that. Um, that's a really clever idea. Yes, it's something that should be on trend about the sustainability, nutrition message, etc. That should put it in a really good place. Um, however, there is still going to be a bit of consumer suspicion about what that's going to taste like. Mm-hmm. Is it actually neutral or does it have some kind of odd seaweed flavor? Exactly. I I would agree with that as well. I think it's actually, unlike a couple of the other products that we've seen, this one, it's actually a positive that it doesn't say on front of pack that it's made with microalgae. Indeed. Uh, But instead promotes the veganness of it and the fact that it doesn't have any eggs. Uh, I would think that they're missing a trick a little bit by not talking about the fat reduction. Yeah. Uh, Because that could um, induce consumers who aren't really that concerned about vegan mayonnaise but are looking for fat reduction instead um and i agree with you the the names are terrific mm. and they they tell that story really well what names have you got what have you got supernaise nayonnaise curry nays and piconaise which piconaise. is um, sp- uh, sweet pepper kind of smoked pepper yeah there's, there's original and curry flavor isn't there and yep. there, yeah original yeah. Curry. curry garlic and herbs yep yep really interesting flavors yeah so um, this one to me is a is a maybe. Uh, I wonder too about the product size. So if the pack size is relatively small, I think that also is a real positive. 
um, because you're not going to use a lot of a curry mayonnaise. It's going to take you a while to use that, yeah. for example. So if you've got a relatively small size, then um, that makes it a little bit easier to experiment with. It's not as big of an outlay to try something that could be mm-hmm. very new and that you might not like that much or you know that sort of thing. So. Yeah, I think it's a strong one. I yeah. think it's good. Mm-hmm. Nice idea. Nicely executed. Nice idea. Um, I suspect won't be a won't become a huge brand in the market, but it's a market that's categorised by lots of small players. Yeah. Okay. We've only got one left. I know it's just been the time of your life. Absolutely. Best, yeah. you know, best hour of your week, definitely. <laughs> um, and we've got Honorata Yaroka. Um, we've got an, a yogurt product that she's going to come with. The launch that I've chosen is Bacoma Senior Active, a range of spoonable and drinking yogurts from Poland's Bacoma. Bacoma is one of the leading dairy companies in Poland and in March 2018, it rolled out a unique senior-friendly line which features a lactose-free recipe and that's really nice as older age groups may experience troubles digesting dairy. These new varieties are also enriched with calcium and vitamin D, so the impact communication is based on four areas such as bone health muscle support, immunity boost, and enhanced calcium absorption. To add a bit of background, overt for seniors claims are really unusual outside of Asia, but this launch makes for a good illustration of Mintel's 2019 food and drink trend through the ages, which explains that food and drink brands can now take inspiration from the beauty industry by exploring the positive aging theme. What's also interesting about this launch is that no references to age are made on the packaging, Instead, the senior element has been incorporated into the brand name itself. In addition, in its advertising, Bacoma makes being happy and physically active the core of brand communication. And to bring an element of nostalgia, the TV commercial is inspired by old American musicals and pre-war Polish songs. Well, we've talked about this one in the past, I think. We have, yeah. Yeah, and um, I think it has a lot going for it in terms of the um, formulation and the benefits for older consumers. Um, As Honorata said, the tie to the uh, big trend that we've been talking about this year and all of that. Um, From my standpoint, I would think there's only one potential negative. And that's the word senior. I was about to say yeah. exactly the same thing. Is the yeah. At what age does somebody go, well, I'm senior enough to buy a senior product? Well, and at what point, no matter what age you are, what point do you want to be going through the checkout line with a product that says senior? Mm. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's the perception of, of other people, really, when you start buying that product. Um, yes, it's all about the positives of aging. And that's, that's great. That's the only way you can really market to a senior audience. But... I wonder whether it actually really needs the word senior on the package to make it work. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. quite interesting itself. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, the formulation is, is spot on. I think the, the way it sounds like it's marketed, very smart marketing. Um, I love the nostalgia element. That's, that's quite clever as well. It's quite a subtle approach to the market. Um, it's, yeah, senior though. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm got a stumbling block on that. I know. And the image on the front of pack shows, looks like a couple in their 60s, probably, yep, probably. Um, with walking sticks. They're very active. They're off doing something, you know, yeah. and that's and that's great. But um, I guess what I see is what you've got is a very nice product that is fortified. And the fortification ingredients are suitable for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yep. So thinking of, again, our our um, 2019 trend of positive aging, um, it, it's for everyone, but the brand name says senior. So what the company has done is they've automatically said to most consumers, here is a product that's not for you. Yeah. 
and that is a negative. Mm. Becomes a bit exclusive. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly if right. The, if the senior message could have been put across only via the marketing right. and communication through advertising and so yep. on, rather than through the package design, that might have been a stronger proposition. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they're listening. Let's hope. <laughs> um, look, you've had... We've had some beers. We've had loads of chickpeas. Sorry, guys. I love my chickpeas. Um, we've had some ice cream. We've had some yogurt. Um, what I want to, what I would like you to do is pick a winner. You can have. I think you need to actually come with a winner. The two of you. So if you both have an example, you need to decide between you which one's your favourite, and you need to come with one seamless answer. They're currently looking at all their photographs. If you probably hear them in the background, um, and then uh, yeah, I think I think we'll hear what you think. I think okay. da- I think Dave and I have um, have yeah. come up with the, the coincidentally same two. To- yeah. Yes, totally coincidentally. Um, I've got a, a bigger favorite than than another of these two. After you go. Okay. Um, so from my standpoint, do you want me to talk about the two finalists? Does it matter? Yeah, and then we'll okay. come up with a winner. Okay. So. What we both have in front of us is we both have El Pro Origins and uh, Unilever's Culture Republic ice cream. Uh, what stands out to me is we've got two really big brands mm-hmm. that have done something really unique, one far more unique than the other. That would be Culture Republic. Um, but they've done something very unique and are appealing to a mainstream consumer. Yeah, I think from my standpoint, I would think that while Culture Republic is more... Well, it depends on exactly what we're doing, you know. Culture Republic, definitely more innovative, more out there, more unusual. El Pro Origins, probably more likely to more last in the marketplace. <laughs> more mainstream accessible. Yes, yes. that's right. Yeah. Except for except potentially the price. But, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I, mean, I, I agree. I mean, I, I picked those two. I mean, I think it's a shame that I haven't picked examples from some of the smaller players that we looked at product from yeah mm. but you know i think what really appeals to me about these is that they're really quite daring moves i think the alpro one is really about taking alpro as a brand into a, a a new and more added value territory than it's been associated with for a while yeah and i think the culture of public ice cream is about pointing unilever again in the direction of um how should we put it small volume high value markets that that are really interesting for them right now right um, and i think that's why i picked those two because i think it's really exciting that yeah. we've got big big players Doing getting into these things, things. yeah and yeah, i think that that's absolutely. what appeals yep. um yes i think in the big picture i think the alpro origins line is more likely to succeed whatever we mean by succeed um, it's more likely to stick in the market for longer. Yep. Um, but actually, I think the Culture Republic move is is potentially the more interesting move on the part of Unilever mm-hmm. than the Alpro stretch. Okay. You know what Culture Republic reminds me just a little bit of as you as you talked about, you know, Unilever taking a risk on something that is uh, low volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me think a little bit of the risk they took when they bought Ben & Jerry's. Yeah. You know, Which same, a long time same, ago was a big step. Yeah, Very long time right. ago. But very similar in that a niche product with uh, a niche market and they took it and Mm -hmm. took it mainstream um hmm you're trying to work out a winner aren't you yeah i think if you can ask us to decide between those i know so i'm gonna make it i want you to choose if i think from what i've heard i want you to pick the most innovative because the idea was about disruptive innovation oh that's and therefore i think we've got an answer we do it's culture republic yeah yeah it's that one definitely Um, having said that i think if we're really talking about 
pure innovation for their innovation's sake there are other key players in here too i mean i would say yeah okay the fiber butter um the chickpea beer innovation for pure innovation's sake but, right, they're, they're great it'd be but, over. we want yeah, innovation that, no. that might if you want something be. sticky then it's, yeah. it's culture republic for sure yeah. fabulous look both of you as always thank you so much for your wisdom because there's always a lot of it in the room and they're both giggling at me but even though they know they have they have quite a lot of it um look really appreciate it i think listeners are gonna really enjoy that um we're gonna end up putting this hopefully onto a blog as well so you'll be able to see and maybe look up each of the six products obviously you're listening and therefore you've kind of had to imagine what we're talking about um but i think i really want to thank as well the our six analysts who um gave amazing descriptions yeah, good job. um really really deep good detailed descriptions and picked some some great products that i loved as well so that's a wrap guys thank you very much thank you thank you Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review this podcast on any platform you get your podcast from. We've just launched, so spread the word and catch you next week for a new episode of Little Conversation. If you want to know more about Mintel, who we are and what we do, head over to Mintel.com and follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And check out our blog for even more insights from our analysts. (laughs) 